0: What's the first thing you do in 2022 when you need something done, but you're not sure where to get it? You Google it, right? You need a plumber, you Google it. You need a mortgage, you Google it. You need a car detail or an oil change, you Google it. If your business doesn't show up in the top three or even on the first page in general, when I Google something, chances are you're not getting my business. Actually, you're definitely not getting my business. It's that simple. Maybe you do show up, but you only have one review that was left by a customer in 2015. Well, you're not getting my business either. Websites by Students is a company that's here to help solve modern website issues for small and medium-sized businesses. The team at Websites by Students builds custom WordPress websites for small and medium-sized service businesses. Every website is 100% custom built, which means you tell them what you want on the site and they build it exactly to your needs. Every website comes equipped with Google Suite functionality, meaning the Google map, Google integration is all built in right from the start. Their prices are incredibly affordable and their team is super professional to work with. They can build you a brand new website in under three weeks and that comes with unlimited revisions. So they'll send you the first draft. If you don't like it, tell them to fix it as long as you want until the site looks exactly the way that you want it. They won't publish anything until it's perfect and you want it built the way that you want it. The best part about it is that every website package comes with one year worth of free website management so six months after you get this site built if you want to update something whether it's copywriting or you want a restaurant and you want to add to your menu just tell the team at websites by students to do it they'll turn that around in under 48 hours and get that website updated for you to your exact specifications it gets even better websites by students is a purpose-driven organization A portion of every website they build goes to a scholarship fund to help fight student debt for as many college students as they can. If you visit websitesbystudents.com today, fill out the contact form and mention the get it done podcast. You'll save 20% on your next website project. That could be as much as $500 worth of savings. And that $500 is more than likely going into that scholarship fund to help fight student debt. Visit websitesbystudents.com today to get your new website built or get your existing website updated so that it shows up on the first page of Google, if not the top three. Their goal is to make you number one. Call them today, visit their website, mention our podcast, save 20%. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Get It Done Podcast. I'm Joe Zanke, your host, co-founder, COO of On Demand Storage, who sponsors our show. And today I'm with my guest, Matt Mullenix. Matt, what's going on, man? How are you? Well, Joe. Thanks for having I'm me. pumped to have you. I'm pumped to hear about, you know, you, your story, your brand. Um, so let's dive right in, you know, t- talk to me about yourself. You know, what were you doing um, before you started your company? And then tell me a little bit about what you're doing now.
1: Yeah, I can give you the uh, the boring background on me and probably the more fun subject matter, which is here on. But uh, yeah, so uh, kind of the quick baseball card stats on me. I'm originally from Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, I actually went to school in your neck of the woods at Brown University uh, luckily I played football there, or else they probably wouldn't let me within 25 miles of that <laughs> Same campus. Uh, I, don't SAT, I don't think my SAT scores were near, uh, near in the ecosystem they were looking for. Uh, I was fortunate enough to attend Brown, uh, graduated in 2008, moved to New York, um, uh, spent some time in finance, but that was also 2008 when the world was melting. So not, not exactly the, uh, the heyday of Wall Street. So I ended up going to a, consumer startup called bonobos which is in the men's apparel space um obviously kind of like one of the earlier d2c players so i was the sixth employee i think at bonobos so like when it was super early and just kind of getting off the ground but that for me was like a really interesting uh experience just kind of be on the ground floor of what was a, a pretty fun and exciting company So spent two years at bonobos and then ended up moving to chicago got back into finance spent some time at ubs in the investment banking department and their m a team and then spent three years at a consumer growth equity fund um so kind of investing in brands that i've worked with previously right so like investing in brands like a bonobos like other ddc players where i was kind of sitting on the other side of the table um, not necessarily wearing an operational hat but wearing more of an investor's hat so that was that was definitely a pretty cool experience and then after three years at that fund um, actually went to business school so i went out west to stanford and got my mba and started to think about kind of post-graduation, what I wanted to do. Um, and I had kind of written all my business school applications and essays about kind of becoming this consumer entrepreneur. And I uh, thought it was uh, as good of time as any to, uh, although my wife, my girlfriend at the time <laughs> might have disagreed. Uh, so kind of t- took the plunge and decided to, s- to start working on this full time. But, um, you know, just kind of like touching base a little bit upon Huron. So Huron's a men's personal care business. We launched July of 2019. You know, my kind of affinity for the broader personal care grooming space is really twofold. When I worked in private equity, we had looked at a, tr- a bunch of traditional kind of beauty and cosmetics brands. So those kind of, you know, uh, marketed more towards right. the female consumer. And I was just blown away by like, <clears throat> A, just the amazing leaders in the space. B, the super compelling founder stories. C, the amazing product quality yeah. and packaging. And D, just like website access, ease of use, the whole nine. And here I was like a 26 year old sitting in downtown Chicago, still buying, you know, the green top old spice that month from Walgreens. And I just thought there's like so much of a fundamental disconnect to say like, okay, like this is a consumer cohort that's taking much better care of themselves. I, in my mind was taking, was doing that across all the other things, right? You're trying to eat better, trying to go to the gym, et cetera, but still showering in neon blue shower gel every month. Right. So I think that for me, that was like an interesting kind of, professional opportunity just to get exposure to a category I wasn't that familiar with. So I was like, okay, like this is worth coming back to at some point in my career. And then the thing more relevant on the personal side is I was just the kid that grew up with bad skin. So I had combed my fair share of aisles from CVS, Walgreens, Publix, Kroger, you named it. I felt like I tried it like seven times. Um, and it wasn't really until I got out west that I started to kind of explore the the last leg of the stool, if you will, which is kind of like the premium skincare world. Um, I vividly remember walking into the store after like mapping it out for two straight days. Cause I didn't want anyone to see me in the store. And I ended up like getting enough courage, like ran in, like bought a bottle of face wash for just like a ridiculous price ran out. Um, in a few weeks, like, and I started to see like my skin just really, really respond positively. So like kind of the natural light bulb moment for me was look, I don't know many people who would feel comfortable paying this much for a face wash. But I certainly know guys who are very interested in taking better care of themselves. They just don't know where to go or where to start. So that was kind of the impetus behind here on, um, we ended up launching a bunch of surveys. We actually built and launched a fake brand in January of 2018 to kind of test kind of, uh, you know, like market, uh, receptivity and and whatnot to see if there's actual fit. Um, and then yeah, and then we you know, once we felt good about kind of those results, I ended up moving from San Francisco, where I was living at the time, to New York. Met my co-founder here, and then we spent, you know, upwards of eighteen months building all the products, building the brand, building the website, raising some money, and then we launched, like I said, in July of twenty nineteen.
0: Man, I love the story. You know, what I mean, um, it, it sounds like something you always wanted to get into, and then you took a previous experience of yours that you know um, you had close ties to, and just applied it to that passion. Um, and like you said, you had a background from your, your previous job in the space, you know, getting, getting a chance to look at, I agree with you. I mean, some of those products, um, you know, the, the, the big companies like the Estee Lauders and the, the incredible branding, I probably that some of the best branding in the entire world, you know what I mean? Comes from that particular industry. Um, and so it's really cool. And the, and the other nice piece of it is that these are products that people reuse, right? So they have one good experience and yeah. you, you, exactly. you pretty much got a customer for life, which is really, which is really nice. So that just from a business standpoint alone um, is awesome. Is awesome. So
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, we, we kind of, we use a little bit of like shock and awe tactics on kind of social just through copy, which again, it's meant to be very relatable and fun, but you know, we, we, we like to ask guys like, name me something else that you buy 10 times a year and could care less about right? Which is essentially body wash or shampoo or conversely, like what is something else that you haven't changed in your daily habits since you were in eighth grade? Like, and for a lot of guys, that's just body wash, right? You're not wearing, you're not wearing shell necklaces. You're not wearing cargo shorts. Like you're not wearing or doing a bunch of things, but for whatever reason, you're still using these same products. So it's, this is kind of like the last domino to fall. You
0: don't still uh, still wear those pants that you can unzip at the
1: knee. (laughs) Yeah. You, you never know when a wonderful fly fishing opportunity <laughs> will present itself. Yeah. Right? yeah, in New
0: York City alone.
1: Um,
0: but no, man, yeah. that, that's awesome. And I love what you said too earlier about how you, you know, you guys are are really going after the data. I mean, you're, you're questioning your clients, not only questioning like guys individually, like you just mentioned, but you you ghost launch it, ghost launched a brand, um, which I think is incredibly smart i think that a lot of people don't actually think to do that um you know i was i was talking to someone recently it wasn't on the podcast it was a friend of mine he's a really successful e-com company and um i should actually link you up with him he does self hair cutting so it's like this product where you can you know it it allows you to cut your own hair it's like a a mirror that you can see the back of your head so you can line it up nice really good stuff uh the product's great he does well with it (laughs) but he was you know talking to me about the fact that he um, he wanted to test new products and the way that he thought to do that was like oh I'll just order them from my manufacturer and some of the manufacturers said you know hey you have to have a minimum order so this guy like in the back of his mind was just like hey I need to spend 50 grand to test something you know what I mean test a new product yeah. and I personally didn't come up with the idea but someone you know a third person that we were sitting there with was like no you just Ghost launch it. Like put it put it on the website, put it a couple other places, you know, take like make a really nice picture of it, make the brand all about it, and then when people click on the cart, you know, just tell them, oh, it's coming soon. And what it does is when people click on the cart, you know, you get an idea of, okay, this is how many people were interested in this, and then you apply maybe a multiple and say, okay, well, if ten percent of those people actually Mm -hmm. bought this thing, you know, how many sales we made? How much money we make? I was blown away. I was like, you know what? That's it's so simple in theory, but not a lot of people think to do it. And the fact that you guys did it and were able to gather that much data about it, you know, just shows where your minds are at. It's not just about coming up with some really, really nice product. It's about learning the ins and outs of your business too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I think you hit the nail square on the head. Um, You know, whether you're just launching a company or fully immersed and have a living, breathing brand, I think there's so much data you can collect, right? I mean, even, even in that four ish week sprint that we did with that, with that fake brand or that uh, kind of mock brand or ghost brand, as you, as you alluded to it as um, you know, you can look at click through rates. You can look at added carts, You can look at all these metrics and make extrapolations, but it also just like you get a visceral reaction. Like, does this feel like this has legs or not? And oftentimes that can be the difference between, you know, a four week pet project next and weekends versus like quitting your job and going all in on a hunch, right? Which is very dangerous. And I think oftentimes how the entrepreneurial world is misperceived is being actually really risk seeking and entrepreneurship is actually a lot of right. risk aversion, which is like, how do you think about these two scenarios? Like what's the downside case of each, yada, yada, yada. And oftentimes, like, the decisions that we're making throughout the day are actually more risk-averse than more risk-seeking. Um, so I think that's just a really good example of a way where you can, like, test an idea, get a, a kind of like a, a litmus test of sorts to understand whether or not your idea, your business, your concept has actually traction in the market. It makes
0: perfect sense. You know, I've been talking a lot about people, too, with exactly what you just said. You know, there's, there are individuals out there that think in order to start something, they need to quit their job and, and go into it full-time. And in reality, you know, you can test things like you're talking about or you can just dip your toe and like, hey, does this work? Okay, let me try it for three months. Let me try it for six months. Let me try it for a year while I'm still working, getting paid, have benefits. You know, those things are important because when I first started as an entrepreneur, I was 23. And so I literally just quit my job. I was like, hey, I have an idea. I don't even know if there's much of a market for it, but other people are doing it. And um, so I'm just going to make it work. And it was really, fr- it was really, um, you know, tough for for a while there. You know, even two years. Like, I was living at my parents' house, so I didn't have that many high expenses at the time that I started. But at the end of the day, I mean, I couldn't do certain things with friends. I just didn't have any money, and so I always thought, like, hey, if I was going to start another thing or encourage someone else to start something else, and they had a job, I'd be like, all right, like exactly like you said, learn a lot about what you're about to do before you just dive headfirst into it because. You might think something's a great idea and um, and so might your partner who's also really excited and passionate about it and come to find out like the market doesn't respond that way. And, you know, sometimes you get lucky, but sometimes you don't. But yeah. I, I really like uh, your point about the risk aversion. It's not all about just being a risk taker. You know what I mean? It's you got to know what you're doing. Right. <clears throat> Yeah, exactly. So what right. are some? Exactly. You know, it sounds like you guys have had a lot of success to this point. You know, you and I were talking um, prior to the conversation. You know, you guys have been winning some awards recently, which is amazing. Um, but talk to me about maybe some challenges that you faced with this business. You know, getting it off the ground, or or maybe just something that's been going on recently within the co- within the company and how you were able to overcome
1: that. Yeah, I mean, I think you know one of the prevailing themes in the broader D2C ecosystem um, in the challenge camp is what's happening with iOS, right? And its relationship with Facebook and consumer data and all that fun stuff. Uh, For us as a small brand, I mean, we aren't heavily reliant on Facebook, which is a good thing. Uh, But also it is one of our top three channels to push new customers our way or potential customers our way. What's been really challenging and tough as, um, you know, as a CEO and as a co-founder is kind of making and managing these day-to-day decisions based on the data that we have access to. So a perfect example is we're, we're getting basically a week lag of data from what was black Friday, cyber Monday, where we were killing ads, turning off ad sets, thinking they were performing terribly and fast forward a week. And those were actually some of our better performers that we didn't give enough airtime because there wasn't perfect data. There was data asymmetry, right? And I think for me, like that's really challenging because as a business leader, as a founder, whomever you can get over, like making a bad decision so long as it doesn't cripple the company, but like, that's a, that's usually a learning, right? Like you want to minimize your learnings obviously, but it's a learning. Um, when you introduce some kind of exogenous factor, like data syncing issues or iOS and Facebook relationship issues, like that can have monumental impacts on the company that are totally outside the realm of your control. And for me, that's very, very scary. It's very scary. Because like, look, at the end of the day, like it's on us if, if we take a bet and it's a misplaced bet and it doesn't work. But at least we had full control over that decision-making process. Um, and this kind of tension between the two platforms has eliminated full control from the equation. Uh, so what we're kind of doing and responding is we're starting to lean on other platforms, other channels through which we sell, um, trying to ramp spend, trying to grow spend, et cetera, while we cut back exposure to Facebook until there's a little bit more um, solid ground or uh, sturdy base from which we feel like we can kind of rebuild and re-engage. So I think for me and for probably a lot of D2C owners, that that's definitely been a place of frustration. Uh, some long sleepless nights and some early, early mornings, Dude, that's for it's, sure.
0: It's terrifying.
1: It is. Um, it's one of those
0: things like it's affecting so many people. I, I'm I'm scared to see the shakeout um, after this holiday season, you know, what a lot of these brands decide to do, because like, I'm sure, you know, this is like, this time of year feels like within the e-com world, you know, when you're at a job you want to quit but you have that bonus around the corner, like, you know, you you're going to wait out and then you're going to and then you're going to have to decide what to do. Um the, the you know, Christmas time feels like that because of exactly what you're talking about. You know, the Facebook taking not being able to to do what it once did. I mean, it's such a it was such a powerful marketing platform that so many people um, yeah. relied on, learned a lot of data from. You know, were able to really build great companies around, and then it just got ripped away. And you see that yeah. across the board too. And, and one thing that you pointed out that I, I noticed you guys do is you you are spread across different platforms. So like you have a uh, you have an amazing Amazon store, which, again. I, don't, I would never encourage anybody to only sell their product on Amazon because a similar thing can happen that's completely out of your control. But if you have a website where people can go to, if you have an Amazon store where people can go to, if some of your products are in different stores, you know what I mean? At least if one starts to suck, you know, the other ones can pick up the slack a little bit. Yeah. Um, but if you're heavy in one totally. and, and don't have anything going on the other, you know, you are definitely exposed to things that are just out of your control, yeah. like you said. And it, it just it blows. It really does
1: hundred percent. And, and kind of the rationale for the Amazon decision, uh, cause it was pretty early on when we, when we launched on Amazon, we launched in February of 2020, I let up yep. right before COVID. Um, but we really kind of ramped up that platform with the pandemic because Amazon became the world's most reliable shipping company. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's, people lost a lot of faith, unfortunately, and a lot of brands and companies, because they, you know, there's this sense that a brand I order from this brand, therefore they deliver it to me in this window, but that's not the case, right? We all know that. Um, we're, we are just like most other retailers are reliant upon a carrier to get package from us to you. Um, and when Amazon has so much buying power in their own logistics network, like if you can get a product in two days, like that's hard to beat. So for us, it was like it was a pretty, it was just a way to get product into people's hands faster when the world was kind of figuring itself out from a supply chain. Oh, no, it's front.
0: great. It's a great theory. Um, Amazon, I mean, th- th- think about what's going on right now in the shipping industry, you know? It's like it's crazy. Yep, totally. So you're right. I mean, people, especially when people, <laughs> I feel like in your industry, you know, you definitely have some brand loyalty, but it's also one of those things where like, hey, I'm out of shampoo, you know, and where I need some tomorrow. Where am I going to go? Boom. Is that my... Um, yeah. Yeah, that's great. That's great. So what... Um, let's finish this up with what's next. You know, you guys, you you, you, re- you launched not too long ago. I mean, it's only been a couple of years, um, but you are, you know, uh, 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 I'm sure achieving some of the goals that you set out to achieve, um, you know, doing really well, maybe even surpassing some of the ones what's next for you guys? Are you going to, you know, continue forward. What's, what's, what are some big goals?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're super excited kind of sprinting ahead into 22. We have made a few hires recently that we'll start in the new year that we're super pumped about. Um, you know, we're a team of four today, haven't hired anyone in 18 months. So it's been, it's been the same four quadrants of zoom day in <laughs> and day out, uh, which I'm sure everyone's sick of sick of seeing me, uh, every morning, but, um, you know whether it's new products uh that we have coming to market next year new team members and just super excited about kind of the path forward i think we've been able to do a lot in the first two years with pretty lean resources whether it's capital or people so thinking about how we can kind of fuel the fire with both just to kind of see that you know we've built a sound infrastructure we've put the thoughtfulness in place we kind of built here on like finish line forward meaning like If you transact with Huron, if we're fortunate enough to get you as a customer, how can we roll out the red carpet to you to make sure that you don't ever leave? Um, I think kind of taking that mentality and building that sound infrastructural piece first, then kind of making sure that's intact before you go turn on the growth spigot was kind of our approach. Um, and I feel really good about kind of where we're at, kind of on that initial charge, kind of like finish line forward and now getting a sense for like, okay, now we have a better understanding of what's working, what's scaling, et cetera. Now let's go kind of, you know, turn on the spigot a little bit.
0: I love that mentality, man. I'm writing this down as we speak, finish line forward. You know, um, I think that's, you know, I'm someone who is does a lot in the e-com space, but I actually haven't really launched my own brand yet um, because I want to be kind of picky about what I do. And I, I want it to be something honestly, very similar to yours where there's some sort of subscription. It, not, it doesn't necessarily need to be a full subscription, but some sort of it's available because it's something that someone really, you will repurchase. And so, but if you start with that finish line forward, you know, you're, you're thinking about, okay, you know, obviously you want to get someone in the door to make one purchase, but like, how can we keep how can we keep them around? What else can we offer them? And that really probably helps you guys when you're coming up with new things to add to, you know, the catalog. Uh, because you're sure. saying, Okay, well, you know, maybe it's seasonal. Maybe there's some seasonal aspects to it where they're like, All right, if someone buys in February, you know, when it comes to the summertime, it, it maybe we can offer them sunscreen or something or whatever. You know, I'm just I'm just spitballing yeah. here. But I really do like I, I really do like that mentality it's smart.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think, you know, for us, um, just the way that we decided to grow things and like how we were going to build a brand, which is very relatable, very personal, um, approachable. And we wanted to humanize the brand, right? Like we are not a website, we are people behind a website and we wanted to let that show and manifest itself in a number of different ways with its personalized outreach notes. Um, texts, like you name it. Like we never sign off emails as like best or thanks. Like it's always like fun branded copy or cheers or like have a great Saturday or like, don't get too drunk. Like just to show that it's, there is a human voice on the other end that's composing these emails. And I think oftentimes like, you know, as consumers, we forget that quite frankly. Um, so it's just a unique opportunity we feel to kind of create that touch point and maybe even make it even stronger.
0: I love that. I love that. You know, you see the people that are thinking ahead, the brands that are thinking ahead, um, operate that way with their, with their customers. They, they it's almost feels like, Oh, this is like my buddy. Like they're my friend. You know what I mean? There's someone like, like chewy, you know, you got totally. a dog, like, you know, they send you cards in the mail and little shit like that. So it's just, it's really cool to see when, when, when brands take it that next level. And, um, and it's it's, a, it's like a phantom friend in a way. And I love that you guys are doing that too. So totally. um, I really appreciate you coming on here, man. You got a great story. You guys, I mean, definitely have a, a, a bright future. The product's awesome. I'm looking forward to trying it myself. Um, uh, it, it sounds great. Uh, where can people find you and your product if they want to, to buy it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. The site is just useheron.com. Uh, we're at useheron on all the socials. Uh, and then if, look, I'm a big huge believer in kind of the pay it forward mentality. I had a lot of help along the way. So I'm just at Matt Mullinex on Twitter. If anyone wants to send me a message or whatnot, that's probably the platform that I'm most active on. Nice,
0: nice man. Well, thanks so much again for your time. I really appreciate it and uh, you it a lot of fun and uh, enjoy the holidays. Enjoy the sales over the holidays. And um, I hope to stay in touch, man. Yeah. You. Sounds yep. good.
1: Thanks so much, Joe. Appreciate it.